This is Family Office Intel at Dentons, the place where we discuss developments currently shaping the industry and actionable ideas for advisors, executives, and families. We share uncommon knowledge from insiders for the modern family office. I'm Edward Marshall, Global Head of Family Office here at the firm. The following is a conversation with Joe Farron. Joe is the president at My Accountant, a bill payment and personal bookkeeping firm focused on family offices based in Connecticut. Uh, Prior to joining My Accountant, he was an architect at a nationally recognized firm in Texas. Joe has a Bachelor of Arts and Science in Architecture from Temple University. Today's discussion uh, will cover a lot of different ground. We'll talk about the challenges that single-family offices and multifamily offices face when they're developing and maintaining a bill payment system. We'll talk about trends that Joe's seeing in the bill payment space, including some technological developments that he's seeing. We'll also cover operational best practices, insourcing, outsourcing considerations, and then potential pitfalls uh, that Joe has seen in the bill payment space. Well, lastly, we'll also talk about considerations for multifamily offices when they're thinking about building out a bill payment capability for themselves. So let's get started. Joe, how did you get into the bill payment space? Uh, We actually got into the space uh, before there was a space. Uh, Over 30 years ago now, we saw a need for bill pay and personal bookkeeping as a dedicated offering for busy professionals, uh, high net worth families, family offices. Uh, Our two founding partners were both busy professionals and they traveled a lot internationally. And often they would come home uh, from international trips and they would be a mountain of bills to be paid. And, and, you know, they saw that as as a real problem in their day-to-day. And this was right around the time when personal PCs were becoming more mainstream. Uh, Software solutions were being developed uh, that allowed a complex family to understand their finances like a small business would, uh, but without requiring enterprise-level accounting solutions. Uh, We actually received a trial version of one of those software solutions, gave it a try, and decided that we could make a business out of this. Why do you often see that it's quite challenging for single-family offices to have an effective bill payment system? Uh, The biggest problem is often a a lack of understanding of the inherent complexity of doing bill pay at scale uh, and something at a distance. Um, By that, I don't mean a a geographical distance, uh, but more so a separation from the day-to-day of of the principle. We're all pretty well attuned to the day-to-day of our own lives. Uh, but it's really hard to get attuned to someone else's uh, without a real concerted effort to do so uh, and without systems and processes to help. Uh, there's so many tasks and responsibilities competing for our limited time uh, and mental resources that real dedicated systems and procedures need to be put in place. What about the conditions that we're in right now here in the early 21 in terms of the pandemic? How has that changed since basically most of us are or in a virtual environment? Yeah, yeah, it's really, it's complicated a lot of the process. Um, Oftentimes bill pay is really a centralized um, process. So physical bills or emails are going to a centralized location. There's often a need to execute payments in a secure method. Uh, We find sometimes family offices actually maintain physical checkbooks in an office, sometimes in a vault or a drawer, but uh, uh, you know, there's a real need to do that in a, in a physical place. Uh, and with high net worth complex families, 
It's often the case that there's uh, multiple homes, multiple properties that need to be managed. There's a lot of complexity which needs to be centralized. So the, the new era of the pandemic has started to push things into a much more digital approach, but without a, a systems and process, that still seems to be very problematic for some people. Have you seen anything that's been helpful as you've been working with the family offices and, and, and high net worth individuals in these kinds of conditions? Yeah, we've seen that uh, there has been a bit of a push historically leading up to this, even in advance of the whole COVID thing, uh, to be more proactive with e-billing. More and more vendors are inherently pushing towards e-billing. Obviously, the bigger, more sophisticated vendors uh, had been there uh, already, but uh, more and more of the smaller vendors are starting to use uh, software solutions for their own invoicing uh, that has allowed them to push their invoices into e-bills, which has helped a bit, yeah. What about multifamily offices? They're certainly not immune to the challenges of creating effective bill payment systems. Why do you think that that they face some of those issues as well? Uh, It's a lot of the same problems as it is with a single family office. You know, bill pay is often done as a loss leader in a multifamily office, and they're doing it because they've been requested uh, or more and more demanded by, by their clients to do it. Um, multifamily offices generally aren't designed, built, or really staffed to do it effectively. Uh, so they often assign the bill pay responsibilities to a junior person or, or an administrative assistant to handle it. And without cohesive systems and, and limited resources. So, so when that person's tasked with it, they're also doing everything else that was already part of their job description. And it really becomes problematic uh, if, they're not, if they're not doing it as a core functionality. And if they don't you know, staff up internally, it often creates uh, a cost center. Uh, and if there's a higher than necessary overhead in return for what they get, uh, they rarely provide the systems necessary to do the work well. So it becomes a, a tripping hazard almost more than a, a real uh, effective solution. Is there an effective way to scope out that kind of business, whether you're looking at a uh, single family office or an entity that deals with with more than one family. I can't imagine that that people go into it as a guessing game of, of what's actually been required or, or where what have you seen in, in your particular case? Uh, actually, it is most often done as a guessing game in our experience. It's just it's one of those things where every single family is unique. Uh, and it's really hard to quantify the scope without going through a rigorous process to do so. Um, there's often uh, an assumption that higher net worth clients are going to be more complex in their bill pay. Uh, and that's not always the case. We'll actually see oftentimes that uh, younger earners, the people who are coming into their wealth, are actually spending quite a bit more. Uh, so their scope and complexity is quite a bit higher and it's often underestimated. Uh, and our more uh, seasoned uh, high net worth families, uh, they're generally kind of comfortable with their wealth. So they've really done a lot of the spending already. And now it's kind of a maintenance game. So it is, it is very difficult to scope it without going through a rigorous uh, discovery process in some cases. What about technology? Is there, is there a magic bullet on the tech front uh, that, can, that can help with this? You know, what, what are your thoughts on in, in terms of there? I, I can't imagine that this is not a, a hot topic for you uh, and the families that you work with. Yeah, sadly, there is no magic bullet as much as we would all like that to be uh, the case. Um, the, the thing with technology we find is there's generally two primary components And most of the focus when doing research or discussions or family offices or looking at a solution is on the bill payment side, the movement of money. 
Uh, and that's really the easiest thing that happens in the entire process, right? Uh, it's, it's the execution of the payment where the focus is, but, but that's something that's not hard to do. You can write a check, you can send a wire, there's ACH payments, uh, direct vendor payments. So there's a lot of ways to make that thing happen. Uh, and they're all viable. They all have uh, pros and cons and, and appropriate times to use them. Uh, but what we see is that where bill pay often breaks down is in everything that leads up to the execution of the actual payment, right? Understanding what bills should be arriving and when and proactively reaching out if a bill hasn't arrived, uh, knowing what's billed quarterly, annually, or sometimes not at all, right? If you think about a rent payment for a kid that's off to college, for example, there's almost never a recurring standing bill that gets sent. So if somebody isn't on the ball looking for that or scheduling that payment, it's less likely to happen. Um, there's also bills that are uh, issued once a year with multiple vouchers that need to be paid over the span of the year. So real estate taxes. Uh, and these are the types of issues that we find usually trip up a bill pay process. Um, and as far as I know, there's, there's no commercially available dedicated technology that solves that yet. Uh, it's really still a people in a management issue, uh, which is why many family offices still struggle with bill pay in general. Do you see anything coming over the horizon or there's been any discussion of maybe leveraging advances in, in software technology or how fintech is evolving to that? Or is it, does that uh, seem quite far down the road? Uh, I think it's still pretty far down the road because the, the fintech is making some great strides and there's a lot of improvements happening. There's a lot of stuff that are happening on the AI or, or pseudo AI, um, you know, machine learning stuff that is starting to improve the process. Uh, but it's one of those things where the technology is limited yet in its learning and understanding of the outliers and the anomalies. The tech is really, really good at doing what needs to be done on a, on a regular basis if that's understood. Uh, but if you've got something that has, for example, a variable dollar amount each month and that bill doesn't show up, you can't rely on the AI or the technology to affect that payment, which is what a lot of people do. Uh, we see with uh, there's a big preponderance of, of use on auto payments, uh, and that is a viable technology which does have its place. Uh, but we also see that that breaks down quite often if things are on a credit card, for example, uh, and that credit card gets lost or stolen. Uh, there's often then a need to figure out what was being paid on that card. Uh, there's two methods for making automatic payments. One is you have a vendor pull the payment and one is you have your financial institution push the payment. Uh, and again, it, it, they each have their pros and their cons. So with a variable dollar amount, if your bank is pushing a payment, it's always gonna push the same $500 payment. And if this one happened to include a, a quarterly tax uh, payment as well, then you're paying the wrong amount with the auto pay. So, so it's really hard for the technology uh, to pick up on those kinds of nuances at this stage. Um, but we think that uh, the tech is definitely improving quite a bit. So what about the, the build or buy decision? How, how do family offices make that decision around insourcing or outsourcing bill payment and that, you know, this critical kind of bottom layer function within a family office to another individual? I can imagine there's a lot of concerns around privacy, concerns around other elements that are there and control. What, where, where are some of those that you've seen commonly come up? So there seem to be two primary issues when it comes to the decision on whether to outsource or to build internally. That's a matter of cost and uh, control. So basically, how much will it cost to build staff and support this internally 
uh, and how might that improve our control over the system. So cost generally comes down to staff and systems. Uh, if the decision is to build internally and, and to do it right, you know, there really needs to be a dedicated person or a team of people that are tasked primarily with bill pay. They need to be focused on that. Uh, it needs to be uh, you know, the core function of what they're doing, not a secondary task in, in the rest of their busy day. Uh, and you know, the all-in cost for dedicated staff with benefits, paid time off, office space, systems, et cetera, it's really often more than a family office is willing to pay, so they really do piggyback that work onto somebody else's workload. When it's uh, outsourcing, a family office should look for service providers that can provide a team-based approach, uh, and ideally with a deep bench of problem solvers available, right? When you're outsourcing, a firm can amortize the costs of their people across a larger pool. And so it's generally much more cost-effective than doing it in-house with a single person. Uh, you get much more bang for your dollar if you've uh, outsourced it to a firm that has uh, a lot of people who are available to solve a wide range of various problems. Uh, and the idea of control because bill pay is done in-house, it's often a misconception, uh, right? It's generally assumed that keeping the minutia of bill pay close at hand with uh, multiple reviewers and, and keeping the principal involved will somehow min minimize errors and fraud, uh, but that's proven time and again not to be the case. Uh, more often than not, uh, the party's responsible. They get busy, they get sidetracked, they've got a lot of other things to do. Uh, so in the haste uh, to get things paid, often that have already fallen through the cracks, uh, shortcuts end up getting taken. So you kind of uh, eliminate all of the initial benefits of the controls since they end up being circumvented anyway. Um, and if they're being adhered to, uh, the, the controls and systems that are put in place with the complexity of keeping it all internal, uh, more often than not, that leads to delays because the managers are busy, the CFO, if there's a, a single family office uh, overseeing everything or the principals themselves, they get busy, they get sidetracked. And if there's a, an approval process that's pretty cumbersome and they don't get to paying or approving a bill before it's due, often they'll get late and it really does trickle and become a problem from there. Let's talk about fraud and fraud prevention. What are some of those areas that you've seen that have been helpful and uh, to help for families to consider fraud prevention when, when they're putting something into play and, and practice there in areas that actually have helped families prevent that? It sounds like this probably has come up once or twice uh, with families that you've worked with. Yeah, yeah, sadly, uh, we've seen it happen. Thankfully, we've not uh, been victims of it here, but uh, it does happen more and more often. The fishing exercises are getting much more sophisticated. Uh, what we find really the, the biggest single problem with fraud is still people. Um, the technology can get put in place. Uh, there's a, a lot of things that can get done in terms of, uh, you know, compliance with uh, centers and controls. Uh, and it's still just the people who end up breaking down and it's often phishing exercises. So, so a really, really sophisticated email. Um, so it's a matter of having multiple people involved. It's, it's never ever taking payment instructions or particularly wire instructions from an email. Everything needs to be verified if it comes through email. Uh, we've seen cases where a principal's email gets hacked and literally for months 
it just gets monitored. Nobody does anything with it, but, but monitor that email. And what they do is they figure out what the processes are that are in place. They figure out the diction, the, the way that the principal communicates, how they sign off on an email. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, there'll be an actual false email that gets sent and it reads almost identically to what it would have been had it come from the principal. Uh, and then people act on it out of habit. So it's uh, the biggest issue with fraud is still, uh, uh, we see it as being a, a phishing exercises that go through because people aren't verifying anything uh, verbally with, uh, with the people who are requesting the payments. So that's fraud from an external perspective. What about considerations of, of bad actors on the inside? What, what kind of methods and operational procedures that you've seen that have been helpful for families that want to prevent anything like that to happen? Right. So internally, the, the best approach there really is, again, a team-based approach. The, we've almost always seen fraud happen when there is a single source of truth, one gatekeeper who has access to all of the information as well as the, the sources to make payments. Uh, oftentimes, we see it as really just trying to keep honest people honest. It, it's a, sometimes a matter of opportunity. Um, so if, if everybody that's in the process understands that they are not the only person in the process and that there are multiple people reviewing everything that's going on, and then there are good comprehensive reports based off of reconciled bank statements that are being put in front of uh, all of the people who are reviewing this, that always seems to be the best practice. Uh, you know, if everybody is, is um, overseeing everybody else just as a matter of course, then everybody is aware of the fact that they can't get away with anything even minor. So multiple sets of eyes throughout the process. Yeah, that seems to be the best approach there. And then good comprehensive reporting that goes straight to a principal so they can see from a summary point of view if everything looks reasonable and then they can drill in and dig into detail if something looks out of line. Let's take the consideration of family offices that have complexity. Of, they're not just a standalone entity. But what if they have an operating company and a family foundation and all these elements that come together? Maybe the bill payment comes from each of those organizations separately, but sometimes they may be mixed. Where, where have you seen that work out successfully? And in, you know, your thoughts on, on how to do that effectively as a process? Sure. Yeah. Whenever there's that level of complexity, there's there's multiple institutions or, or locations, LLCs, individuals who need to be making payments. There really needs to be a, a clear delineation between those entities and the payments need to be made from the appropriate accounts. Uh, we know that that's not always the case, particularly if there's credit cards involved. We find that to be one of the places where it does start to break down. People often pull out the wrong credit card and just don't pay any attention. So if there is any overlap, if there's payments from wrong accounts, they should always be trued up uh, by reimbursing the appropriate entity. So you know, this allows for a true accounting of the expenses in each entity and makes for cleaner books. And if there's any resource sharing across the, the different entities, the costs can be tracked and reimbursed on a monthly or quarterly basis as required. Uh, and then it really does give people a, a good understanding of what the costs are at each of those various entities. Let's talk about the accounts payable process. How does that look like and how does that typically work in a single family office? Uh, so every, as you know, right, every single family office is, is different than every other. So it's kind of hard to say what a, what a typical process is within. Uh, but what we see is they're often inefficient and overcomplicated. 
uh, which is a little contradictory to to the idea that uh, you know to have all these security measures in place you it, it really does become problematic when there's too much complexity because then again you start to shortcut things and and that complication really obviates the the need for a simple process uh, often we'll see that the systems are set up in the entire process to deal with the worst case outlier possibilities rather than building a simple system that handles most cases uh, and then dealing with the outliers on a case-by-case -case basis. Um, there's often multiple pre-printed checkbooks stored on site, which is obviously a huge risk. Uh, sometimes there's an Excel file or a, a notebook or two floating around that uh, try and document and manage all of the complexity. Uh, and as mentioned previously, there's often a single source of knowledge for all the key information required to handle everything, uh, which is, again, problematic if there's a potential for fraud there or if that person leaves or gets sick or goes on vacation, then, then there's what we call a brain drain. And, and all of a sudden there's a scramble to figure out what that person uh, knew and how things were being done. Uh, in terms of uh, best practices, one of the most important things we see is to have a segregated operating account per entity, uh, right? That's a, we, we would call it a disbursement account and, and that account should be used exclusively by the bill pay team. Uh, and then that allows a real good understanding on what that activity is. Uh, there should be multiple payment methods uh, available. So depending on the needs, the specific needs of each particular payment, they should be able to be paid electronically, by check, via wire, direct payment for stuff like credit cards. There should be good blank high quality check stock and a dedicated printer with micro toner rather than pre-printed checkbooks. There are some very sophisticated uh, paper solutions that you can buy that are chemical washing impervious. They've got micro toner or, or micro printing. They're uh, watermarked. They're very, very, very sophisticated uh, blank check stock, which is much safer than having checkbooks. Uh, and obviously there should be, you know, secure encrypted password protected databases, which are housing the relevant information, even if in the short term, that's an Excel file, which a lot of firms use, that's okay. They just need to make sure that that, uh, password protection on that, uh, for like, or excuse me, that, um, Excel file itself is robust and secure. Uh, and then as, as I keep harping on, you know, a team-based approach with oversight and redundancy. Um, and then the last real critical best practice is, is really good, full comprehensive reporting across all the banks, across all the credit cards, all the brokerage accounts uh, that should be reconciled every month. And then that's the ultimate arbiter of is everything legitimate uh, that's going through the system uh, is, is coming off of high quality reporting. In terms of disbursement accounts, what have you seen as uh, good ways for family offices to to operate those types of accounts. So yeah, there it's it's critical that they be segregated uh, as we talked about before. So if, if there's multiple entities, each entity should have its own disbursement account, uh, and it should really only be funded on an as needed basis. Um, so if it's if there's a burn rate on on a particular entity that's fifty thousand a month, and there should be about fifty thousand put into that account on a regular basis. Uh, there's just no need to have a million dollars parked into an account that's going to have a burn rate that's that low. Obviously, the burn rate's 100, 150, then you can have a recurring deposit for that or a couple of deposits throughout the month that keep that operating balance. 
uh, where it needs to be. Uh, and again, it's important that that account be used exclusively for bill pay and by the dedicated bill pay team. There shouldn't be a checkbook that the principal has. There shouldn't be a debit card tied to it. There shouldn't be Venmo accounts. It really gets difficult for an operating bill pay team to know the balance in that account if there is overlap with multiple users. And that really creates a lot more work uh, in terms of the day-to-day -day of, of executing payments if they can't be confident of the balance in their account. It also muddies the water in terms of security. If there are multiple users, it's hard for any single user to know whether something in that account was not done by them uh, because that's inherently the case there. Whereas if there's a dedicated account for a single user or a single team, they should know everything that's in that account and then it's easier to flag things that went through there uh, inappropriately. And obviously the account really needs to be reconciled and reported on every month so that uh, people who are not doing the day-to-day -day can still see a good report on what's happening activity-wise out of that account. Joe, maybe there's no good answer to this question, but you know, one of, the, one of the reasons that family offices are created around the need of a particular principle is to satisfy a requirement of convenience. How does that play into, you know, these types of situations where you, where you have a little bit of an inherent conflict over speed of operations versus effective reporting and security in all these different areas? So, the, I mean, there's two ways to look at it. The, the convenience should be really in the day-to-day -day of the principal's life. So, with the bill pay operation, that team is solving a problem that's ideally a, a somewhat remote to the principal themselves. So, so there should be no disruption to the convenience from the principal's point of view. Uh, and then the bill pay team is handling the minutia, the complexity and, and, and all of the heartburn that comes with any of the things that happen a step removed from the principal. Uh, and they, they do have the opportunity then to deal with those security measures with all of that additional complexity while still allowing the principal to have everything resolved and taken care of that they need on a regular basis. Now there's always anomalies to that. There's always exceptions. Obviously, if a principal requires something to be done immediately, uh, then it really becomes a matter of choice and information uh, from the principal's point of view. They need to understand that if they are inherently requesting the circumvention of a particular safety measure or some control that's put in, been put in place for their own security, uh, that that's a risk that they are requesting of their team to take. Uh, and we do see that, right? We've had requests for art purchases and, and you get people who want to wire for a capital call immediately. Uh, and there just needs to be a very clear channel of communication on how and why that's happening in a, an emergency scenario. In terms of managing the different kinds of bills that do come in, you talked about this a little bit earlier in terms of bills that don't have a bill, <laughs> right, like right. A, a tuition or, or something around those areas. How do you manage all the different kinds? I mean, I can imagine it can just be a plethora uh, of them that come across and all different due dates and, and getting them all organized. How do you make that work, especially when you're not dealing with just one individual? Yeah, that's where it's really critical to have systems and methods in place that are rigorous, that are tried and true, and that are repetitive. So it's, it's about having a database that tracks due dates. It's about knowing which particular bill gets paid from which particular account. 
You'll often have things coming in in the name of a principal, but it needs to be paid from an LLC or in the name of an LLC, but it needs to be paid by the principal because they're technically renting a piece of real estate from themselves and the operating costs need to be paid by the individual. So if that stuff isn't all exceedingly well documented, uh, it, it breaks down immediately. And, and even with the team approach, and redundancy and multiple people being in the mix, uh, when you have multiple families and you have that level of complexity, it's impossible for anybody to know everything that's going on without some system that's really tracking that for them. So knowing what to expect ahead of time is critical, tracking expected bills, calendaring unbilled or sporadic bills, all that kind of stuff is, is absolutely paramount to being able to execute this well. In terms of pitfalls, that you're that you're seeing, Joe. We we talked about many of them today, but certainly about risk management and other areas. Are there other major pitfalls? Whether you're working with one family office, multiple ones, or you're within a, a family business structure, what are some areas that you would just highlight that families be aware of in their bill payment structures? So the, the two biggest pitfalls seem to still be around uh, generally people and technology. So that's, that's where we still see the risk uh, coming up and the systems and the processes breaking down. Uh, on, on the people front, right, many family offices, there's a single person responsible uh, for the entire bill pay process. And, and even with, uh, if there's limited oversight, that person is generally extremely busy. Uh, so it's hard to to have those systems and, and controls in place if there isn't a process dedicated to doing that with people who have the time to do that. Uh, a a team-based approach to the overall process where everyone knows that, that others are involved in reviewing the data, reconciling the accounts, or running the reports helps mitigate, uh, you know, mitigate any inadvertent mistakes or, or deliberate wrongdoing. Uh, this obviously requires a, a larger staffing footprint, uh, so we often see single gatekeeper be the norm within the offices. Um, there's also an opportunity with on the people front when there's a, a redundancy uh, to have, again, that additional oversight. There's opportunity to catch even simple mistakes, uh, miskeying uh, uh, entries on a, a inputting a, a bill payment. There's a lot of opportunity for just casual or inadvertent mistakes to come up. And when there are multiple people who are overseeing the process, that really does help mitigate all of that. And then there's obviously the training front on people where with the, the fishing exercises being a, a huge concern these days, having somebody that's there available as a sounding board for you, somebody you can send an email to and say, hey, does this sound legitimate? Or have you heard from the principal? Does this sound right? Uh, are just little tiny details that can really help uh, an entire system run more smoothly. Uh, and then on the, on the technology front, that really seems to be a matter of cost again, right? You can do a lot of stuff relatively low cost, but a, a true data security requires a comprehensive plan, uh, ideally a SOC 2 compliant data management uh, center, uh, full-time systems monitoring. Uh, it's getting easier, but it's really important that two-factor authentication be included for access to uh, systems, to bill payment, to any of the the processes uh, that would actually allow somebody to execute or move money. Uh, and then obviously, again, on the tech front, it's the rigorous training of the staff. 
So that's uh, no matter how good your technology is, no matter how compliant you are with everything else, uh, if the people that you have in place are still falling victim or prey to all of these fishing exercises, that's going to be the, the big place that falls apart. And no amount of technology yet seems to be able to mitigate that. If you were to start a multifamily office and you were going to put this function, a bill payment function in-house, how would you do it? And what are those, some, some of those considerations that you would advise a, uh, a multifamily office to do when they're, when they're looking at this type of a capability? So for a multifamily office, it's, it's a lot of the same things as it would be for a single family office. So segregating operating accounts uh, per entity, uh, it gets obviously a little bit more complex uh, with a multifamily office, but uh, it's, it's critical that that be the case. Uh, ideally, multiple payment methods so that there isn't a, uh, ever a, you're painted into a corner without not being able to make a particular payment uh, because there's a single approach to doing that. Uh, ability to have and uh, print checks in-house rather than using pre-printed -print, checks or um, checkbooks, uh, having secure databases and a team-based approach uh, are all paramount to a multifamily office. Uh, it's even more important though for a family office, a multifamily office, to have a consistent, repeatable process uh, that can be applied to all of their families, right? The, the complexity of bill pay increases dramatically when it's done at scale. Uh, every client is going to have certain idiosyncrasies that need to be accounted for. Uh, there'll be multiple sources of information and requests for payment from each family. Uh, and most critically, there are multiple payment sources that may not be related. Uh, so when bills need to be paid, it needs to be crystal clear who's paying it and from where, uh, no matter what the source is. And, and we've got, uh, you know, we've seen cases where obviously with a, a multifamily office, maybe multi-generational, there may be uh, clients with the same name, even first and last, but maybe a junior or a second or a third. And if a bill comes in to that particular um, name, it needs to be understood that with additional data points, who exactly that bill belongs to and where it needs to be paid from. So it's, it's a really much more complex process. And when you start to escalate it, it becomes a dramatically more so. So let's say you're an entrepreneur um, and you just had a liquidity event and a significant liquidity event that, that's a, a sort of a game changer in your net worth. You've had a decent uh, go at it and have been using a lot of bill payment systems that are available to most consumers. Where do you start now that you've got this type of uh, complexity that, and even a complexity that might start down, you down the path of starting your own family office or, or joining a multifamily office? How do you think about bill payment in a situation like that? So, so bill payment, we always see it as being uh, the foundation for everything else. So it's critical that the bill payment be handled correctly and be done with processes and systems uh, that allow it to be scalable, particularly if there's been a liquidity event, because obviously the complexity is going to increase dramatically. Uh, so it, it's a matter of examining the overall goals as you move forward in that scenario. So whether it's going to a single family office or a multifamily office or starting a foundation, right? Each one of those decisions has a, a slightly different approach that needs to be taken to it. All of which really need to come off of a core functionality that allows all of the fundamental minutia to be handled uh, cleanly, appropriately from the right place 
with all the systems and checks in place. So uh, it's a value proposition on, on whether you want internally to focus on, on the little minutiae that is going to be eating up a lot of every day, or whether internally you would prefer to focus on, on a bigger picture approach of management of the overall family or the foundations or those additional elements that are coming into play. So Joe, you make a good point in terms of keeping the end in mind as you're coming up with it. What if you don't know what the end is? And and it's just the beginning stages. How do you how do you work through some of that calculus? So in that regard, then it's really about flexibility, right? If you're if you're not sure what the end is going to be, it's imperative that you be nimble uh, and that you not paint yourself into a corner that's hard to get out of. And and what we see often with uh, single family offices, particularly, but in some cases with multifamily offices, are that a decision was made five or ten years ago that has created a certain dynamic that is now exceedingly cumbersome to get out of. So either whether it's a cost thing where a huge investment was made and now it's like we're not going to let go of that investment because we made it. Uh, or if it's a matter of just kind of having so much data and so much information in a, a technology or a system that's uh, now becoming antiquated uh, that it's really hard to to move away from. Those are the things that really inhibit flexibility and an ability to be nimble and, and change down the road. Whereas generally when you're outsourcing a service like this one, the the places that you're outsourcing, it should themselves be nimble and obviously always forward looking. So they should never in and of themselves get painted into a corner that they can't be moving with because ideally they are actually setting the direction for the industry. If they're doing that, uh, then you can be pretty confident that there's always going to be some flexibility inherent in their process. I think you make a really good point about flexibility. I think that's a, a very uh, pertinent advice that is sometimes harder to follow in, in practice, uh, especially with all the different things that are moving around in, in a family's life. That's a really good point. So I appreciate that one, Joe. So last question for you here as we wrap up, let's talk about lessons learned. What do you wish you had known when you got started that you actually know today? Great question. So yeah, early on, uh, it would have been good to know that the process needs to be consistent, repeatable, and methodical as possible, right? When we first started doing this, every client was a little bit different. Everybody had their own way that they wanted certain things done. So we were catering to a lot of chefs uh, and it really makes things difficult. Uh, even within a single family office, if there's again, multiple generations, everybody wants to do things slightly differently. Uh, it's it's important to be able to accommodate the variances and obviously unknowns, uh, but a process like this one, it really needs to run almost like an assembly line. It, it needs to be something where anybody can plug in and resolve an issue where a new vendor can come into the system, uh, be validated, and then put right into a system that works. Uh, and it doesn't matter which family member it's for or which client at a multifamily office it's for. Uh, everybody is working on the same stuff in the same way to the same goal. Um, you know, it needs to be really well documented, consistent process. 
Uh, we've learned a lot of lessons in terms of how to build out a good database that allows us to do that so that we really do have an understanding of this particular bill goes to this particular client, but it needs to get paid out of this particular LLC because it's part of this property. And, and without really documenting all of that, relying on memory, uh, it becomes a, a real nightmare as the volume increases. And there's a general assumption that bill pay is easy. Uh, most people have some experience paying their own bills, so they think, how hard can it be? But uh, when it's done at scale with the volume and complexity inherent with wealth, uh, the need for clear, accurate reporting, it becomes exponentially more difficult. So it's, it's critical that good systems, good process, good information, data, uh, and then obviously a great team are, are what's needed to do this. And thankfully, we've learned a lot of those lessons over the years. Well, listen, Joe, thanks for joining today. And thanks for all of you for listening in. And if you'd like to get in touch with Joe or have any questions, do send us an email to familyoffice at dentons.com. If you enjoyed today's conversation or so inclined, subscribe to the channel, review us on Apple Podcasts, follow us on Spotify, keep in touch with us wherever you prefer to listen to podcasts. As always, sharing this episode is very much appreciated and probably the best way you could show your support. To sign up for our newsletters and learn more about our solutions and research in the family office space, check out our website. That's dentons.com forward slash family office. Well, that's it. Bye, everyone.